we've been in a series since uh, January on when I grow up, talking about growing up spiritually, and so I'm going to continue a little along that line today. But uh, last week, uh, I just want to thank uh, Pastor Lee. He got to share for me while I was gone, and I heard that went well, and people were encouraged by that. Jan and I were in Florida. Uh, the association we're under as Association of Faith Churches and Ministries, and I'm a regional director for them uh, over California and Arizona, and, and um, now they say I'm over Hawaii, but we don't have any churches in Hawaii yet, so I'm believing God for that. And uh, anyway, we, we went to Melbourne, Florida on the East Coast, and we were in a big house for the week uh, with a group of like 35 people and just had an amazing, I think they said, and I agree, it was the best one ever on planning for our association and leadership development and stuff. And then on uh, Thursday night, it was over. Well, Friday morning, it was over. And we flew on airline miles, so we couldn't get home on the weekend. We had to come home Sunday night, rats, which meant we could go to the beach in Sarasota. So we, we uh, packed up, went across the state three hours and hung out in Sarasota and caught Florida weather that was immaculate, was in the high 70s. Siesta Key is voted supposedly one of the best beaches in the United States. And so we got to walk that beach, just hang out. It was a great couple days off because of our anniversary and birthday. And so it was fun. But in the meantime, we're walking around these shops, especially in this one little community. And this one shop was big on mermaids. So there was mermaid this and mermaid that and, and all throughout the shop. But they also had Mermen. Has anybody ever seen a merman? And, and, and so, uh, I know, I know. It, it, it's it's kind of disturbing, isn't it? And, and so, this idea, see, I hear you laughing, and, and somehow in our mind we think merman, that, that just doesn't fit. Is he, he's half fish, half man, what is he? Does he go under the sea and live on land? And, and so, we were talking about this this week, kind of the theme, what I wanted to launch off of this morning. In Scripture... There's a reference not just to mermen, but something close that I want to talk to you about this morning. And, and it's found in 1 Corinthians, and it's where Paul is addressing a group of people for not maybe being mermen, but mermen. And he says this, he says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as men of the flesh, as to infants in Christ. And so we're talking about growing up in Christ the last few weeks, and jumping in this verse, Paul's saying, I wish I could talk to you more as spiritual men, but I can't. I'm still having to talk to you as infants in Christ because I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not able to receive it. Indeed, even now you're not able, for you are still, what, fleshly, for since there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly, and are you not walking just like mere men? And so a merman, half fish, half man, doesn't really know like what he is. Does he stay in the ocean or is he better on land? And Paul's talking to a group of people. He said, you know, in Christ, you were saved. In Christ, you were filled with the Spirit. And, and there's a way that you're supposed to live above this. Now you're royalty. Now you're sons and daughters of God. You've been elevated to a certain level, but you've chosen to live as mere men. You got tails on. Don't belong that way. You, you, you're supposed to be living up here, but because you've chosen some things that are more fleshly and you chose some things that are more carnal, instead of walking and moving at a, at a place that God's given you and an authority he's given you, you've chosen to walk as mere men. And then he goes on and he gives us some of the reasons why. A little later in the verse, he says, for one says, I am Paul, and another, I am Apollos. 
Are you not mere men? So this division, this, this, this Christian camps that you put yourself in, and, and maybe it's a little bit stereo hero worship or your favorite person worship, this, this Christian tribalism where it turns into us against them. He, he said, what is then Apollos and what is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, even as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. And I have planted, Apollos watered, but who gives the growth or who causes it? But God was causing the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything but God who causes the growth. And so here in this place, he's addressing this group of people that he makes this assumption or works from this this platform that you should be walking this way, but you're walking as mere men. And I bring it up because of the, the, the culture we're in right now, the the really just flipping through the channels or just probably opportunity you have at work or over the the coffee room chatter, just the divisiveness that's in the culture right now. You're of Trump and you're of Bernie and you're of this and that and you're of this group or this denomination. And I I can't think of any time in my adult history where there's been more of a divisive spirit than right now. Anybody relate to what I'm talking about? And you, you hear it here and you hear it there, and it's blasted on the media, just the contention that's there. And, and Paul says, hey, church, when you guys are allowing even division and strife amongst you, that, that reduces you from where God's called you. That reduces you from the royalty where he calls us a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. He said, it's reducing you from this realm, this level, where I've wanted you to dwell, and you become just mere men, or you become mere women, and he's got something different for us. The, now, again, when we look at that, that, that guy looks totally out of place unless he was up at San Simeon amongst the elephant seals, right? And, and if he was there, his tail might be a little different color. But, but, you know, that would be more in a setting that you would say that, that, you know, maybe is not so humorous. But when you look at that guy, you say, what is he? I mean, he's got a tail, does he belong in the ocean in fantasy world? Or what is he? And I can see Paul saying the same thing. Guys, when you're in strife, when you're fighting with one another, no, guys, I remember the stories of how the Holy Spirit was poured out on you. Paul would say, I remember your upper room stories that you guys shared with me when the presence of God came in powerful ways. And there was so much power over you guys that even your shadows were healing people. And there was an anointing and a love amongst you and a amongst you where you're even selling things to take care of one another. And there was this, this unity that God's spirit brought that, gosh, nothing was impossible for you. And even the community was marveling because of the, the, the presence of God upon you. But you gave that up because you got divisive. You got picking on this or political about that and and where where God's commanded blessing was because of unity now now it's not evident and you're walking as mere men and we laugh at that picture but I I don't know if Paul would laugh about it he'd probably cry about it probably say you were made for this and you're living like that And that's not coming from a place of condemnation or judgment. I'm just saying, church, from where Christ wants us to be right now and and the culture is trying to bring us down and pull us in to all that political backbiting and this and and fighting over those things and still the turmoil and and the disappointment or whatever over the election. And I'm saying, no, now it's time for the church to rise up. 
Now it's time for the church to step up and to be people of love, people of grace, people of understanding, people that are bridge builders and peacemakers to help bring healing. Is anybody with me this morning? See, we, we got to know the DNA we're made of. Paul says this, beloved, now we are. Now we are. Say we are. We are children of God. You don't have tails on you. You're not half fish. You're not half backslider and half Christian. You're not half this or half that anything. No, now we're children of God and it has not appeared as yet what we will be, but we know that when he appears, what's the yellow say? We will be like him because we'll see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he's pure. Everyone who has this hope grows in that direction. Everyone who carries that hope that I'm called to to manifest his life and manifest his love and to walk in the same things that he walked in, he said we could. Greater works would we do? He said those things are available for you and me, but let's not walk just as mere men. Let's walk as the supernatural children of God and the royalty that he's called us to. Amen? So when I... When I see that, that challenge, I mean, here, here's, the, here's the challenge to you and me. Do we walk as mere men and mere women or, or do we step up? What are we going to do? Are we going to step up? How many really think we're going to step up? We're going to step up. And so the culture right now that is rife with strife, it's rife with division and arguments and contention, you and me have to make a decision. Are we going to give our voice to that? Are we going to agree with those things? Or are we going to step up and start believing and praying what God says about what's going on right now? Because it's a critical time. How many believe that revival is the heart of God and revival is the will of God? And I just believe from a spiritual warfare perspective that the enemy's doing whatever he can to just bring this division to stop us from coming together and moving together to see God move like he's never moved before in the history of the world. I believe he's going to do that. I believe there's, there's something coming as the church comes into unity and agreement that's going to ho- host and house the, the presence of God and the power of God like never before. And that's what I want to be a part of. How about you? And so when he says this, are you going to be a mere man or a woman or are you going to step up into what we're called to be? I say we're stepping up. He said this is, this is the issue. What, what's caused this? Here's the issue. For since there's jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? And are you not walking like mere men? So this jealousy and strife among you, I mean, there's, there's opportunity for it. It's easy to preach it up here, but the strife that comes and just different, you know, contentions maybe with a neighbor. Once in a while that happens around here. Once in a while outside the context here, I run into stuff. It's easy to preach here, but when I leave, I have to work with it just like you do. Sales things that maybe misunderstandings have gone wrong, overcharged for this, problems with the bank, different things that happen here and there in your life and my life. Those are things we have to contend with. People that don't like my point of view, that don't like that our, our position as a church that's believing that, that Jesus still heals and delivers and wants people whole. Those things that come up in my life and your life, I have to work through those things just like you do, Amen. That we're not going to get caught in offense and we're not going to diminish our, our position of royalty and authority just because of strife. No, we're going to overcome those things and we're going to move forward in those things. Anybody with me this morning? Amen. So this is what one author wrote. He said this, for you, are, you who are spiritually connected, you're not looking for occasions to be offended. And you're not judging and labeling others. You're in a state of grace in which you know you're connected to God and thus free from the effects of anyone or anything external to yourself. 
One of the things that definitely tries to destroy unity is offense. And offense comes through misunderstanding. Offense often comes because we don't go back and try and get clarity on things when we, when we feel that offense coming, when Scripture mandates us, if we have an ought with somebody, to go and try and make those things right. So uh, brothers against brothers, sisters against sisters, there's this, this thing that, that tries to stir up and cause offense. I don't know about you, I, I have a saying that goes on the inside of me, I refuse to be offended. I should say this, I refuse to stay offended. I used to say I refuse to be offended, but that's almost impossible. That, that opportunity comes a lot. I refuse to stay offended. I'm not going to do it. This is Psalm 119. Great peace have they which love thy law. And what's the last part say? And nothing, nothing shall offend them. So I've seen just momentum, spiritual momentum in churches and other ministries just get derailed and disintegrate because of offense. And you and me that are growing in Christ, we should have a determination saying, I'm not going to be offended and I'm not going to stay offended. And if things happen that I need to clear up, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work to resolve it. Because it's not about me. It's about greater things. It's just not about my will, my desire, what you said to me or how you hurt me. Well, no, we, we got to grow up, put the big boy pants on. There's kingdom stuff happening, right? God wants to do some things in us and through us. And so we got to say, I refuse to be offended. I'm not going to grow a tail and be a, a merman. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a man of God and deal with those things. Amen? Are you all right? Good, good. Don't take offense. This is what Ecclesiastes says. I saw this in New Light this week. He, he says here, Solomon, he's writing, it says, do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. Ugh. So, so sometimes I, we, sometimes maybe get on this place, or how could they say that, or they hurt my feelings, whatever. Solomon's writing, it says, well, when you get in that place, remember how many times your tongue has been used somewhere else to do that. But instead, here's what Paul said, the church at Ephesus, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to, to, in your heart to the Lord. I, I like that better. We could just be blessing each other and encouraging each other because this camp, we believe our words have power, amen? Life and death is in our tongue. And we, we believe that when we're speaking, especially inspired by God, things can change and healing can come and breakthrough can come and demonic powers can be broken. We've seen that over and over and over again. So when our words bring life and our words bring healing and our words bring encouragement instead of siding with the critical voices, that's what the people of God are called to. And, and I, I feel it in this community that political things are so divisive there's certain things they can change, and there's certain things politics can change. There's certain things that um, coming together with the resources of government can change, but the hearts of people only God can change, and the strongholds and the things that really deteriorate and, and, uh, and keep people in bondage, the, the heart of God and the love of God can change, and that's your and my job, amen? That's, that's what we're called to do, and not be divided and not be fighting, but be united in making a difference. Well, you know, when I think about this division thing, um, I was watching this video that somebody sent me about 
the 2017 and the importance of the year and the number 17. And uh, that's essentially a, a number that's been important to my life. Born on the 17th, married on the 17th, 17 years as a Christian, I became lead pastor in, on the 17th of August. And 17 goes on and on. Well, this number 17 means complete victory. Complete victory. How many want complete victory? And, and, and I believe God wants that for us. The Hebrew, Hebrew year that we're in, 5777, means the year of the ruling sword or the year of overcoming. And so those that track Hebrew things and look at the Bible numbers, they've said this should be a year, the Jubilee year, it began last year, we're still in a Jubilee year. They said from a Christian or a Hebrew calendar or some would say even a spiritual calendar, this is the time of victory for God's people. So it's not the time to go back down to mere manhood, to grow tails and can't figure out who we are. It's time to rise up and say, yes, God, this is what you've called us to. This is gonna be my year of victory. This is gonna be my year of turnaround. And I'm not going to get caught up in strife and division and that stuff. I'm going to stay true, use my words to bless, use my words to encourage, and live in that place. Amen? And so th this guy, Perry Stone, he's a Christian revivalist guy, but he's a prophetic guy. He, he was saying this too, that the 17th letter on the Hebrew calendar is Pei, P-E-I, and it represents mouth. And he, so when he, he says, when I was praying, this is him telling it on this uh, YouTube video, he says, when I was praying, I felt like the Lord said, more importantly than ever, this year, guarding your mouth is important. Watching your words is important. What we're confessing, what we're saying, some of us don't like the political change, so we'll jump in and we'll just voice, voice, voice. Some of us, you know, we're excited about the political change or whatever, but we're still critical of the other ones, so we just give voice, voice, voice to it. He said, no, this is a year just to shut up. This is what he said. Measure your words, because your words have power. Your words can affect environment. Measure your words. It's the year of mouth, your mouth. But agree with God and, and decree what God has said. And he says, we're going to see victory this year like never before. To speak God's promises, align our words with God's promises, and we're going to see victory. And, and to be honest with you, we've seen that. I've seen some breakthroughs already this year in people's lives and things happening. And so we don't want to give our voice or give place to the enemy in these things. We want to be, because I, I do believe God's uh, you know, moving and working at the same times whenever God starts working, there's always a spiritual warfare that comes up in resistance. But you and me, we're not babies to this stuff. We need to see it and rise up and know what's going on and stay in agreement with God, not do that sin of Balak and Balaam where they, they tried to get the prophet to curse Israel. He said, no, I'm not gonna curse Israel. I'm not gonna curse what God has blessed. And so when you see God moving, you gotta just watch your words and what you're giving your words toward and your agreement toward because God wants to move in a powerful way, amen? And so even this, we see you know, in the 90s and the early 2000s, the Promise Keeper movement and different movements trying to bring racial reconciliation to the body of Christ. And that's part of the church's job to bring healing in that place, amen? And so just when that is happening, we get some momentum there. Now it seems like this whole racial tension's flared up again, and there's more of a divisiveness. Even after having an African-American president, there's things that get stirred up and, and, and try and blow us apart, especially the church. 
You and me gotta be wise to that stuff and say, no, we're not gonna do it. You're my brother. I don't care what color you are or you don't care what color I'm. We are under the same blood. We bleed the same color. Jesus died for us with the same color blood and we're united for that because Jesus prayed that would be one and I say we're called to be one and we need to stand for that, amen? And so even today when I was thinking about this, this whole thing that the church got into, you know, one would say I'm of Paul and one would say I'm of Paulos. It's this, it's this tribalism. And Jesus said a house divided against itself can't stand. So going back historically, what does this mean? Well, in Acts chapter 18, Apollos was a, a wise teacher and he was a Greek convert and, and scripture says he was eloquent in scriptures, but he knew only the baptism of John. So he's preaching and teaching and training, but he was baptized for the remission of sins. And then Paul comes along, and Paul had experienced the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in his life and the baptism of the Spirit, and there's miracles that were happening around Paul's camp. And so some say, well, I'm of Apollos. I have more of an intellectual Greek approach to things. Others would say, no, I, I'm of Paul's camp. He, he was a, a Pharisee of Pharisees. Now he's filled with the Holy Spirit. So they're siding with him and they're siding with him. And again, that's why Paul writes and says, who, who is Paul and who's Apollos? He said, they're just tools. I mean, if you came upon an amazing garden that was just beautiful and the vegetables were flourishing and you saw a rake there and you saw a shovel there, would you go, what an amazing rake. Look what this rake has produced. No, no, Paul's saying the same thing. We're just tools. We're just rakes and shovels. It's God that's doing the work. And so you and me need to be centered on what God is doing in our unity that's in Christ and not rallying around, I'm a Baptist or I'm a, I'm a this or I'm a that, that we're one in Christ. Amen? Some say, I'm a follower of Todd White. Todd White, Todd White. Others would say, I'm a follower of Bill Johnson or T.D. Jakes or Tony Evans or Keith Moore or Creflo Dollar or Kenneth Copeland, or Joyce Myers, or Tim Keller, or John Piper, or John MacArthur, or Billy Graham, and, and I'm grateful for teachers in my life and mentors in my life, but I'm also, I know that first of all, I'm a Christian. I'm a son of God, first of all. And, and, and then I'm, I'm a part of a tribe. I'm a part of a group of believers, secondhand. But first thing, it's about Christ, and I sound a little fired up, and I'm getting out of breath. <gasps> Are you Okay. And Paul, Paul points him back to the Lord. He said, it's not about this color, that color, this. He, he points it back to the Lord and he says, you're one because of Christ. And so that's where you and me have to stand. And that's where you and me have to have our common denominator in Christ. Did anybody see this movie, Hidden Figures, recently? My gosh. So, so part of today, I, I had intended maybe to address and a little bit more detail, some of the differences that are trying to blow up the body of Christ. And one of these things is, you know, just our, our racial reconciliation. But this movie, these three gals were, in the early 60s, worked for NASA as mathematicians to help solve the figures or put the mathematics behind the space launch uh, and the manned uh, space launch of circling the Earth, John Glenn's flight. And in this movie, it just highlights... Even 50-some years ago, just some of those injustices that we've, we faced. And at least, you know, I'm a crybaby anytime anyway, but six, six times probably in this movie, I was just brought to tears by just the injustice and things that happened. But the victory and how they worked it out. And even at the end, we were in a movie theater in Sarasota. There's probably, 
I don't know, look, maybe 200 and some, mostly middle-aged white folk. But at the end, man, we, there was a chair that went up because of the breakthrough and the change. I don't want to be a spoiler if you haven't seen the movie, but I'd highly recommend it. But in the movie, just some of the things where there was a coffee pot for the coloreds and a coffee pot for the whites. There was a bathroom that the gal had to run clear across the business complex to the other side to use the bathroom because it was a colored bathroom. And running in the rain when the whites could use this one and the coloreds had to go there. And as I watched those things, I thought, this is just crazy. 50 years ago, we were doing this crazy, crazy. God wants to heal that. We're one in Christ, amen? We're united in Christ. And so when I talk about unity, I'm not talking about you know, pe- you know, just peace, peace, love, forgive. And so forget the injustice, just turn your head. No, I'm saying when God's called you to some of those things, when God's called you to be a healer and a reconciler and to be a bridge builder, we need to rise up in those calls as well. But not in a spirit of strife and division and anger and hatred. We need to rise up in a spirit of love and a spirit of compassion and a spirit of understanding. And I believe we can really heal some things in this community and in our culture. Amen? James, who left here, James Johnson Hill, African-American guy, was my associate pastor for 12, 14 years. He said, I want to build a multicultural church in Laurel, Mississippi. 40% black, 40% white, 20% just different, different backgrounds. And so many of you know the story. We ended up in an old Woolworths building, remodeling an old Woolworths building where 50 years before that, blacks and whites couldn't have food together. Now there's a thriving church there of multicultures. But James just got elected to the school board. And because he's got a determination to make a difference and not to go in a spirit of agitation and a spirit of anger, but to go in the wisdom of God and the love of God and the grace of God to see some things change that Jesus cries over. Things that Jesus wants to see come together, not picking up the spirit of offense and the political spirit that's all around us, but tapping into the spirit of Christ and say, Lord, what can I do to make a difference, to bring healing, to bring wholeness, to bring a fullness to your body and to these situations? And that's what I believe the people of God are called to do. Amen? Talking fast. We're almost done. So... Here's, here's the writer of Hebrews. This is his appeal. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, and this cloud of witnesses are men and women of God who've committed themselves to things, some that even lay down their lives for things, were martyred for things. He said, because we're surrounded by these people that have overcome and these people that led overcoming battles, let's lay aside every weight. Every weight, let's lay aside your offense. Let's lay aside your prejudice. Let's lay aside the things that would divide and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance. The race is set before us. What, doing what? Doing what? Where, where are we supposed to look? At NNBC, CNN? No, no, where, where are we supposed to look? Looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Now, you've probably seen it on little get well cards. Just look unto Jesus. It seems so cliche. Just, you're going through a tough time. Just look unto Jesus. But I'm telling you what, when you look unto Jesus and say, Lord, what do you want me to do in this situation? Lord, grant me wisdom in this situation. Lord, I'm trusting you for help and some insight in this situation. When you go with that kind of attitude, he's gonna give it to you. 
And, and he will help you figure it out, and he has it figured out. Scripture said the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel out of Isaiah 11 too, that's resting on Jesus, and that's available for you and me. So when we're looking into him for answers, for what's going on in our culture, instead of jumping on whatever the, the, the media is blasting our way, if we're looking to him and we're asking him for help, I promise you he's going to give it and we're going to be able to help make a difference in what's going on around, around us. Looking unto Jesus, he's what? The author and finish of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He looked ahead, he looked down the road, tough, difficult, challenging times, persecution, stuff came his way, but he, he was looking down the road to solutions and to what can be and what would be by the sacrifice he's making, and you and me can do the same thing. Amen? Whew, you all right? I'm going to close with this, and I have this in my Bible. I've had it in my Bible for many years. It's in a blue little cutout piece of paper. I taped it to the back cover. It's called The Fellowship of the Unashamed. And what it was, it's, it, the, the author's not really known, but it was believed to be from a young pastor in Zimbabwe who was martyred for his faith. And they found this in his study. And it says this, I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit's power. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of his. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm finished and done with low living, sight walking, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tame visions, worldly talking, cheap giving, and dwarf goals. I'm no longer, I no longer need preeminence or prosperity or position or promotions or plaudits or popularity. I don't have to be right or first or tops or recognized or praised or regarded or rewarded. I now live by faith. I lean on his presence. I walk by patience. I'm uplifted by prayer and I labor with power. My face is set. My gate is fast. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way is rough. My companions are few, but my guide is reliable. My mission is clear. I can't be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice, hesitate in the presence of the enemy, pander at the pool of popularity or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, let up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, and paid up, preached for the cause of Christ. I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. I must go till he comes, give till I drop, preach till I'll know, and work till he stops me. And when he comes for his own, he'll have no problem recognizing me. My banner will be clear. I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed.